Coming up, I'm going to tell you in three easy steps how to get that new job in 2024. And then performance reviews. You're going to hear a lot about this in the coming year. What do we do about it? Why is it happening? We'll tell you. Welcome to the Ken Coleman Show, helping you win in your work life. I want you to grow personally so that you can advance professionally. More money, more meaning, better life, more options, freedom. That's the game, and I'm going to tell you how to play it and win at it. So, all right, we're looking ahead. Do you want a new job? But you feel like you're not prepared. Maybe you feel like you missed the the momentum, the great resignation, not happening anymore. Whatever's going on in your head that's making you doubt or making you fear the pivot or making a move. And ideally, I want you making moves that set you up for the long-term win. I'm going to help you simplify this process because it's really scary. Change is scary. So let's talk about the source, the problem, if you will. A lot of us initially, um, we end up in jobs that aren't a good fit because we choose a job for the wrong reasons. Not necessarily bad reasons, just the wrong reasons. The reason is because we're driven by expectations that surround us, expectations of others that are very influential in our lives. For example, the salary we want to make, all right, status. Hey, I got promoted. I got a bigger paycheck and I got a really sexy title. And if that's offered to me and I start telling people it's offered to me and I get into the process and I realize it's not the right choice, but I got to tell everybody that I'm not going to take it. I think they're going to make fun of me and tell me I'm an idiot. Why wouldn't you do that, you moron? And so what do we do? We pressure ourselves off the pressures of others and we take the wrong job. So what should we be driven by? Talent. What we do best. These are our power tools. We've got to start there. Efficiency leads to excellence. That's what gets noticed. That is what gives us mobility. That's what gives us enjoyment. We like to generally do things that we're good at. So we have got to be focused first on, does this, does this seat on the bus, does it allow me to use my power tools, what I do best. Then we need to be thinking about the contribution we want to make. Does this job allow me to deliver results that I care deeply about? What's the meaning quotient around the results of your job? If you don't think this matters, I just want you to think for a moment back to history and throughout history, evil people have tortured other people by making them do meaningless tasks. This is a big part of torture. It's not physical torture. That's mental torture. Mental torture. Throughout history, we've seen dictators put people in prison camps and their punishment was to move a pile of rocks from one side of the camp to the other side of the camp. Do you know what the real punishment there is? It's not the back-breaking work. It's that I'm. there's no reason behind the work other than just to make me suffer. And the mental suffering it far outweighs the physical suffering. So don't lose sight of the meaning 
behind the results that you are being paid to deliver. If you aren't getting some meaning out of it, your soul is suffering. So what's the solution? I'm going to give you three simple steps that will allow you to make a shift and start contributing to the world in a way that is meaningful to you. And here's what happens. Your whole life changes. You'll make enough money. Do I believe you can make more money? Yeah, I think it puts you at your best, so it gives you more potential. But I also think it's it's not about how much money you make. It's about the contribution you make. So what is the first of the three steps? Step one, get clear. Get clear. Get clear on what you are bringing to the table. This is me at my best. This is what I do best. Uh, this is what I really enjoy to do. And, and these are the results that I would love to contribute each day. So now, what are what are the right types of jobs? Answering those first three give you a job description. Well, this is what I do best, and this is what I enjoy doing. These results matter. Well, now you've got yourself a, a job description. So give yourself multiple choices. Uh, this idea here is all about ideation. I'm getting clear. I'm getting ideas. What are my options? Because change is not so scary when we see options, but change without options is paralyzing. Huge to the psyche. Options and ways to accept or achieve or choose options, way less scary. Change, no options, terrifying. So run through those questions again. What do I do well? Skill here, experience. What do I enjoy doing? Tap on past experience there as well. You've had enough of the work world to go, I know I enjoy this work. What results motivate you? Review that. Now you're clear. That leads to the second step. This is, okay, now that I have ideated on jobs and I see stuff that I could be really interested in doing, Am I qualified? So you have to get qualified. Maybe you just need a certificate here. Maybe you need a little bit of experience where you're currently working. And if you shift, you take on some new responsibilities, maybe that gets you that extra edge of qualification. So what knowledge and experience do I need to be fully qualified to make the change? Again, this stage is about evaluating the real cost for you to make the change. In other words, what kind of time is it going to cost me and how much money is it going to cost me to actually step into this new job in 2024? Most people, they don't think uh, that they have the resources to change jobs. It's because they don't know what resources they need. You may not need a new degree. This idea that I got to go get a degree just because I want to change jobs or that it's nonsense. So what is that experience and knowledge that you need and how do you get it? Get creative on how do you build the experience? Get creative. Uh, depending on the situation that you're in, if they're looking for experience in project management, but you don't have a position or a title of project management in your current place of work, what are some projects, some initiatives, processes that you could lead and 
you raise your hand and say, hey, I'm willing to do this, and you'd be surprised. You'd be like, what? Do you know how few people actually volunteer to take on extra duties in, in the workplace? Very few. Trust me. After they realize you don't have four heads, they're going to go, okay. And so maybe you pick up some project management. Is it, a, is, it, is it a part of your job title? No, but could it be a part of your resume? Absolutely. All right, third step. Get clear. Get qualified. Third step, get connected. Just as the idea of not having options when you think about change. Because you think, I want to change my job in 2024. I don't have any options. Scary. Terrifying. You know what else is scary? Not having any connections. You want to talk about scary, it's when you feel alone. And if you feel like you don't have any connections, you don't have any relationships to be able to actually get opportunities, hear about opportunities, you feel scared and alone. Two words that go together a lot. So always connecting and building relationships, having the ability to spread the word, not on some mass social media post, but person to person, connection to connection, is a game changer. I've said it before. I wrote an entire book called The Proximity Principle that was basically this. People plus places equals opportunity. In other words, the right people plus the right places equals opportunity. If I get around people that are doing what I want to do, I get in places where that work is happening. Here's what happens. Connections, 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 and all of a sudden I become top of mind, top of mind, top of mind, right time meets me because I'm in the right places or I'm around the right people. Those three steps, getting clear, getting qualified, and getting connected, will allow you to move forward with confidence, to make the job change with confidence. You can do it, and I'm here to help. Hey, high school seniors and parents of high school seniors, it's almost graduation time. And if you're not sure about next steps, I want you to listen to this. Coding skills are essential in today's workforce. And my friends at Bethel Tech can help you start a new career really fast and do it cheap. It only takes nine months to complete a Bethel Tech course in UI, UX design, full stack development, data science, or cybersecurity. And your young person can get over 1,000 hours of experience in a collaborative environment and then get placed. The average starting salary for a junior developer, $66,000. And the field is projected to grow by 22% over the next five years. Software development is a career with an enormously bright future. And right now, Bethel Tech is offering you 10% off if you watch or listen to the Ken Coleman Show and you pay cash. So go to BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman. BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman right now for details. Terms and conditions do apply. Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. All right, let's talk about a new technique in the world of work that businesses and their leaders are using that you need to be aware of. And there's some real strategy behind this, as there always is. Okay, what is it? This is a headline from Fortune Magazine. Bosses are using tougher performance reviews to cut workforce without layoffs. 
Now, we're going to break that down in just a minute. We're going to come back to that. There is a corporate strategy here, and you need to understand it. Because if you understand it, you're aware of it, and hopefully you don't get caught off guard. But this is this is going to be the future, by the way. This is not a trend, what I'm about to reveal. I think this is going to be the future. And, and from a corporate leadership strategy, a bottom-line balance sheet strategy, it makes sense. I think it could be abused. Bad leaders are going to abuse this. So that's why you need to know about it. Corporate executives are struggling with getting to the goal of the most lean, the most profitable balance sheet possible. Now, we're talking about large companies where, again, we report on this on the show all the time, where they're going to lay off a massive amount of people because profits are not as high. And so they'll staff up when they think, okay, um, interest rates are low, we can borrow money to hire, and if this new idea works, bam. If it doesn't work, economy shrinks a little bit, like what we've seen this year, then they will, you will see massive layoffs. This happens all the time. But corporate executives are starting to wisen up to the layoffs is not necessarily the best strategy for the overall health of the company. It does work on the balance sheet and stock price, but it has a lot of detrimental effects. I'm going to break that down in a minute. So now they're going, wait a second, is there an end around? And they're starting to focus on low performers. And they're focusing on low performers through performance reviews as a way to get them out Instead of laying off people in a mass layoff and kind of doing what they would normally do anyway in layoffs, they're going to look at your top performers and their medium performers and your low performers, and they they call out a group of people and they get to a number in the form of an expense towards compensation, right, on the line item. So employees, compensation, benefits, everything, you put it all together, and they, they're trying to reduce costs, and they look at a number but they're, listen, make no mistake about it, whether it's a whiteboard or one of those NFL-style draft boards, they're going to look at low performance and they're the first to go. But now they're coming at it in a little different way. Wait a second. What if we don't put ourselves in a situation where we do mass layoffs, but we now begin to have a process that allows us to push the low performers out without calling it a layoff? Yeah. Now, listen, I'm not saying this is sinister. I said, on paper, this is a good strategy. Let's break it down. So, how are they doing this? So, I had the pleasure to interview Jack Dorsey, who was the co-founder of Twitter, CEO of Twitter years ago. Now, he's uh, the Block CEO. And uh, that company consists of Square, the little payment uh, doohickey. Well, I haven't said that word in a long time. Kind of fun to dust that one off. And... Uh, Cash App, and Title, And so he recently came out just about a month ago and said, we're going to get rid of annual reviews. Now, at Ramsey Solutions, we do annual reviews. It's a part of our process. Uh, But he has said, you know, we're going to get rid of annual reviews and improvement plans. And he said, we're going to do constant evaluations and feedback throughout the year. So he basically said, instead of, uh, Ken, you come in once once a year for your annual review, at which point we kind of go, this is where you are, this is where you need to be, and we come up with an improvement plan. And many times that's kind of the beginning of the end for people, right? Either you you make these improvements or we kind of in agreement that you're out. Okay. Dorsey says we're going to get rid of that. 
And what we're going to do is constant evaluations and feedback throughout the year. Now, let me tell you something. I am in no way endorsing what he's saying because I think you can do both and. I think you can do your annual review. Um, I think an annual review is important, but I, instead of uh, it all being, you know, we sit down and we go, here's 12 months of my thoughts and everybody's about you. I I do think that the annual review is important to say, here's where you are. Here's where we want you to be. Where do you want to be? And the leader and the teammate are able to, in that annual strategy meeting, that's what I would call it, not an annual review. I'd call it an annual strategy meeting. Because I do think that I agree with that there with with uh, Dorsey on this, that there needs to be constant evaluations and feedback throughout the year, so that when we get to the annual review, there's no surprises at all. But I love the annual review as a as a uh, tool. I just don't think it should be the only time that we have a review. Um. Now here's where we are, because the Great Resignation has now slowed down and people aren't quitting to the tune of four million a month. People are kind of sitting tight. And so you got some companies who who like that steady, what they call healthy attrition. I don't know where I'm at on that. I'd like someone to, who believes in healthy attrition to tell me what that looks like. I, I think it shows up in articles like this. I think leaders say stuff in interviews. They don't know what the crap they're talking about. Normal attrition? Okay. I guess that would be healthy attrition. Is you're just going to lose some people because they changed decisions in their life. Okay, great. I'll give you that one if that's what we're talking about. But like large numbers of people just leaving because you've pushed them out? I don't know how I feel about that one. Um, so why are they moving to performance reviews as a way to push people out? Because layoffs are bad for the brand. And layoffs are bad for the building. Layoffs, when companies do layoffs and they call it a layoff, and we've seen a lot of big ones, you know, even in the last couple months, and what they do is they put out a big PR strategy and they explain, hey, uh, we made mistakes, we overhired, now we're having to write the ship. But listen, layoffs are bad for the brand and bad for the building. Let me explain that. Let's talk about the brand first. When... When Microsoft announced that it was going to lay off people in masses and then laid people off in masses, uh, it was going to take a $1.2 billion charge to earnings to account for its layoffs' immediate costs. Why? Severance payments, benefit extensions, accrued vacation, and other costs. They estimated that it was going to be a $120,000 cost per laid-off employee. Okay, so bad for the brand, bad for the building. All right, let's talk about the brand. Investors start to go, "Whoa, what's going on with Microsoft? Are they struggling? Are they? Are what's going on?" Anytime you announce layoffs, you announce layoffs for cost cutting. Your investors and your media start to go, "Uh oh, where there's smoke, there's fire," and it's bad for the brand. Even though it's the cost-cutting that they've got to take, it's bad for the brand. But it's also bad for the building, meaning the actual cost. While you save down the road, you don't save much at all early on because of those costs that I just illustrated. Severance payments, benefit extensions, accrued vacation, and, you know, whatever. Whatever else would be added on to that. 
It's also bad for the building in that the people that are left behind. What happens? We know from data that performance tanks. Is there some initial relief when you don't get cut? Sure. But that relief dissipates quickly and you start going, oh boy, am I next? Then you start getting tempted to gossip. Why'd they lay off Harry? He's a good guy. Why'd they lay off Linda? She's amazing. It, you know, And it begins to affect morale. But let's not also skip over the fact that the people left behind are having to pick up more work. So now there's burnout possibilities. It's bad for the brand, bad for the building. So here is my point in sharing this with you. If you don't have a performance review on a regular basis, not your annual review, ask for it. Take the initiative. Take the bull by the horns, folks. Don't get caught in a strategy to move you out. Know where you stand. This is huge. You'll get the clues. If they're trying to push you out, you'll get the clues. If they're not being straight up with your performance, you'll know. So if you don't have this regular process, ask for it. Because I believe it's coming. It's going to trickle down through every stage of the business community in America. As a technique, guard yourself. All right, let's go to Danielle, who joins us in Pittsburgh. Danielle, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. How can I help? Hi, Ken. Thank you so much for having me. It's an you honor. Bet. You bet. What's going on? So I had a problem that fell into my lap. Um, I have been pursuing a career that I'm not overly excited about, but I've, I've done pretty well at it, just kind of grinding it out at this point. Um, but recently, um, a church, my church, reached out about a whole new opportunity obviously different industry um, and be a very different role. Um, and so there's some things I'm, I'm actually thinking about pursuing it, but I'm grappling with whether it's a crazy idea. And so here I am coming to you to, to flush it out. Okay. Let's start with the crazy part. Cause I think that's the, the, I think that's the crux of this entire phone call. What do you think might be crazy if you were to take it? What What's crazy about you taking this gig? I mean, I've spent the majority of my career, it's been about 15 years now, in in the, the industry that I am in, working my way up, getting a ton of great experience. I'm at that point now where it's like I could, you know, my next move would likely be re- leading uh, an entire team or org. Do you want that? Um, I like the idea of leading and coaching. Um, it's the work itself that's the grind. Um, what type of work is it? So I'm a CPA by trade, but I do like internal audit and risk management. Um, it's constantly just fighting fires or trying to convince people there's a problem before it happens. And, you know, it's, it, it's a lot, it can be a bit confrontational and, you know, I want to have an impact and help change things, but you know, it's coming from a side of the business that no one ever wants to hear from. Yeah. Right. Cause it's like, Oh gosh. 
It's like hearing yeah. it's like hearing from mom all the time. I mean, if you're a teenager, mom's like, "Put your coat on. It's cold outside." And your kids is like, "Give me a break." I don't want to that is me. exactly it. Yeah. Uh, and then they get sick, and then I'm like, "Well, I told you so." I and told then everyone you. Rolls <laughs> right. Okay. This is interesting. Now let's fast forward and say that you were in a leadership position in that same type of work. How much of that, the annoying part of the current gig? would go away. Does that make sense what I'm asking? In in the sense that you may be leading people who are having to do that annoying thing, but would that remove you from that or would you still be a part of that? I think I'd have to do it at the higher level. Like I'd have to be doing all the elbow rubbing and trying to negotiate with leaders to listen and get their get them to buy in so that, you know, my team can come in and do the work and okay. and you know flag what's going on. So it would just be at like at an elevated level, which I do now, but it'd be, you know, more with an audit committee. or Yeah, or, but is that draining for you? Constantly fighting with people, you know, and trying to be charming at the same time. Yeah, it's pretty draining. Yeah, okay. Oh, let's move on. What else makes this moving to work for your church a crazy idea? So I put down a lot of experience and skill in one industry that you essentially would be walking away from that industry. Okay, all right. That's one thing that you think maybe makes this decision crazy. What else? Well, the role that they reached out about is, it's a pretty big role. Like the church, it's not just a church. It's like a fleet of seven churches and it's, it's a pretty big establishment. Um, and so I'm like, okay, like, am I getting in over my head? You know, and like, it's not going to be a change of stress level, which is going to be a change of environment. Um, and then knowing that it is, you know, in a nonprofit sector, it's like, okay, like, is it, you know, jumping into this, not having that experience, am I setting myself up to fail? Um, but I know that that's such a silly thought to have. What's the role? Verbalizing it. Uh, director of operations. So I'd be coordinating with all the different teams, you know, for, to make sure that things, whether it's vendors, events, security, risk management, like all of that stuff is. How much handled. of that job has the same skill set? that you use now in risk management and being a CPA? Probably a lot. <laughs> oh, okay. So let's take that one off the list. That's not crazy. You, you have all the skill set necessary to do it. I also heard this little word in here that popped up earlier and it's leading. You said you were interested in leading and this is an opportunity to lead. And that's where I, I've done the get clear assessment. I did this months and months ago because I had recently, the job I'm in now, I've been in for about six months and maybe that's another thing I wanted to bring up, but like leading is one of my passions. Like I, I love it. Um, well, and I'm it telling doesn't you. have to be a team. It, it can just be, you know, an organization or. Right. Or I feel like this function. is, I feel like this is offering you an opportunity to lead in two areas that I think you do enjoy leading in areas of process because you're a process person. Yeah. And leading people in those processes. And I think you're a people person too. I think people, I, try to be. <laughs> I know I come on, give yourself, I mean, it's, come on. I, you're not bragging. I think you're good with people. Yes or no. Yeah. I think, I, you, I think you really enjoy working with people if it's not fighting. The, the confrontation and having to like prove what I'm doing is a value and like try to convince people. Like, I don't mind the influencing like that. that I know. Was like, quote, unquote, and I don't think you're going to have to do that. I don't think you have to do yeah. that at the church. I don't think you have to prove anything with 
uh, what you're pointing out. I think you're just going to lead people and and guide people through processes. I think on paper it makes a ton of sense. I think the other thing is the pay. My guess is the other crazy factor is this is going to be a drop in pay. And that's where I would say if you were to say, like, what's the crazy thing? It's, you know, How much? I'm, I'm making this number up, but I'm guessing it's probably half of what I'm making. And so it's that's like, a big but one. I'm, it's a big one. And that's where I'm like, but would I be able to make this sort of jump? Like, let's just say hypothetically, like to become a director of operations at a company like that I've been working at or whatever, I'd imagine it wouldn't it wouldn't happen that way. And I have to go in at a little bit lower and work my way up. Maybe it wouldn't be as big of a pay cut. How big of a pay cut are we talking? I guess I'm, I guess I'm guessing it's a drop of like 80 to a hundred grand. Okay. Well, we, let's not guess. Let's find out. They called you go, Hey, as I start to even think about this process, I need to know what kind of a pay range we're talking about. I'm in the corporate world. They understand that. I want to yeah. know what I'm dealing with. I don't like making a decision based on a guess. And I have a call with them tomorrow. It's on my list, and it's like I just need to ask. That Could question. you absorb that kind of a hit? Are you double income? Yeah, and like my husband is like, "Hey, do what you want to do." It's just what a good guy. It's just yeah, what. Yeah. It's just what. He's like, it's just money, and he was like, if this is what you want to do, and that's where I'm like, okay, but I've been, I've been kind of the the leader with income for the last couple of years because of the yeah. work that I've been doing. What do you so make right like, now? Um, just under 200. Yeah. And it's seven churches in this yeah, network. Yeah, the whole, mm-hmm. What do you, what is their uh, overall attendance? Do you have any idea? Oh, it's humongous thousands, thousands of people. And this is a leadership position within the church. Mm-hmm. Like, how many people would you be leading? I mean, I don't know if they would be direct reports, but you assume that they probably have someone at each one of the churches, plus the cross-functional processes that they mentioned. There's probably another five or six people that help manage that stuff. And you said it's thousands. Are we talking 20,000 over a weekend, 15,000? How big? Mm, Let's say like 10, just... Okay. I here's here's what I think. I don't think I don't think you should I, I think they will pay you more than a hundred thousand is my guess. Church that large? And and here's the deal. What if they offered you one fifty? What would you say? I mean I'd be shocked. I, I yeah, didn't ask I, you that. I said, what if they offered you one hundred and fifty thousand on the table? What would you say? I wouldn't even think twice about it. There's your answer. I I I think a church that large, that many things, and the position you're in, if I'm understanding it the way that I think I'm understanding it, I think you might they might be able to offer you closer to that than you think. I think you need to have a number in your mind. That's what I think. I think you go full bore into this based on that answer you just gave me. Yeah. Go in and go, I'm in. If, but I need to know, where, but, but listen, before I'm, I'll tell you that, here's what I would say. Literally call them today and go, I'm interested, but I don't want to waste your time. I want to be a good steward of my time and your time. I'm not asking you to commit, but I need to know a range financially. Okay. Because I, th- this is, you know, I just need to know a range. If they're not going to give you that, then it's not worth having a conversation. Now, that's what I would do. 
But you could also say, all right, I'll go through the interview process because it doesn't hurt. <laughs> and they're going to offer you. They've basically offered you now. And I'd say put an offer on the table. That's what I'd say. Because you do know if they put an offer of 120 on there or, or 110, you can go, I, I would need 150. And if they come up to that, you're going to jump at it. I think the answer is you pursue this and you're okay walking away if you don't get the number that you feel good about. Yeah. And now that's setting us up for eventually we've got to extricate ourselves out of the current company and let's get into more. of. Now we know the role we're looking for because I think this church role is so exciting for you. So let's look for that. Yeah, I mean, as soon as I read it or read the description, you know, once I got over that feeling like I wanted to puke, I was like, actually, this looks amazing. Right. Well, I the fact that exactly you responded, I, I could hear you smiling on the other end of the phone when you said, I'd, I wouldn't even think twice, I'd take it. Yeah. I think this church would be stupid not to offer you 150. That's what I think. So I think you ought to pursue it. What do we have to lose? Okay. It's not crazy. I think you'd be crazy not to pursue it. How about that? I, I like that spin. <laughs> uh, there it is, Danielle. You're awesome. I appreciate it very much, the call. Uh, I think she's going to be pleasantly surprised, folks. But here's the, t- the lesson. Just pursue it. Go walk away if it didn't feel right. This is The Ken Coleman Show. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman. 